Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. But the underlying issue here is the Democrats, since they took the majority, has been addicted to spending, and that's going to stop. We're going to spend less than we spent last year. And therefore, there's no deal to be made, is there? I mean, people are going to talk about it. But in the end, there's no deal to be made on the debt limit if indeed you've got Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, saying we're going to spend less. Oddly enough, keeping a 2022 spending limits isn't necessarily spending less. It's spending what we just spent, which is still too much. But compared to the places that the Democrats want to go, it's less than where they want to be. And they call that a cut. You understand how duplicitous that is, right? They think we should spend more. You want to spend what we already spent. And they say that's a cut. That's the level of gross that we're dealing with on this debt limit conversation. Tony Katz, good to be with you, Tony Katz, today. 833-GOT-TONY, that's the number, 833-468-8669. The conversation has come to a unique boiling point because, um, well, we're there. We are there. We are at the spot. We're not going to, it seems, get this to a place where we've got this figured out before June 1st when we're told by Janet Yellen that the money's going to run out. Okay. As I've told you many times, I refuse to get worked up by this. I flat out refuse to get worked up by it. And I'm not going to get worked up by people like Senator Chris Van Hollen, who goes on to ABC's This Week, talks to Martha Raddatz, lies his butt off, and says this. Republicans are saying if they don't get things their way, they're going to blow up the economy. That's a very different position than what President Biden's saying. President Biden's saying, look, let's sit down and find a reasonable way to reduce the deficit and debt. He put a trillion dollars of cuts on the table. But he's not saying, if you don't do it my way, if you don't close these tax breaks for very rich people, I'm going to blow up the economy. And that's the difference here. He is making this up as he goes along. The Republican Party, do not forget, passed legislation to increase the debt limit, but keep spending at 2022 levels. Republicans control the House of Representatives. Republicans are in charge. You don't have to like it if you're on the progressive left. It's just the way it is. They're going to say no to certain levels of spending. But that does not make a cut. It's not a cut. So it's not like Joe Biden's being the rational one and Republicans are being irrational. They already passed the legislation recognizing that we simply don't have the money. Maybe it's time to grow up. The legislation is in front of the Senate, Chris Van Hollen, senator from Maryland. Why don't you get Chuck Schumer to present it so you can vote on it so we can increase the debt limit and be done here? But no, you don't mind the politics. You want the destruction. And check out how he continues to frame it. So, you know, I'm, I'm extremely worried about where we are now. I think the markets are going to get shaky. I think we need to move to plan B, 
which is what's called the discharge petition uh, in the House, which is where you have Republicans, we only need five, work together with all 213 Democrats to put together the kind of proposal that even about 30 Republicans were talking about as recently as, as May, which ha have a number of elements, including cuts, uh, but a number of other ingredients. It, it seems to me we're going to have to move in that direction pretty why should we have to go with a discharge petition? A discharge petition is a, a, a bit of um, legislative wrangling. And if you can get a majority of signatures on it, it would force a vote. What the Democrats want is the Republicans on record voting against increasing the debt limit. Why should they have to vote for anything? You already have legislation that's waiting in the Senate. So Chris Van Hollen wants the House to redo what the House has already done because he won't do in the Senate what he needs to do as a senator, which is vote. You understand that this is exactly the reason why I won't get worked up. Look at how these people act. Look at how much they hate us. We should be worried. We should be concerned. We should be in a panic. We should be in a froth. He has legislation that he can vote on. He won't do it. He wants to manipulate the system because getting a political win is more important than the country. So says Senator Chris Van Hollen of Maryland. And did he just say the will of the House? Which is what's called the discharge petition uh, in the House, which is where you have Republicans, we only need five, work together with all 213 Democrats to put together the kind of proposal that even about 30 Republicans were talking about as recently as, as May, which have a number of elements, including cuts, uh, but a number of other ingredients. It, it seems to me we're going to have to move in that direction pretty soon. Uh, plan B, Plan C, the 14th Amendment that, that the president talked about, is that something you would consider still? Well, let me, let me just say, plan A needs to be our focus for the next 48 hours. Plan B, which is a reasonable proposal, if, if Speaker McCarthy would just let the House work its will, we can have a discharge petition, we could get a majority in the House for a reasonable proposal. To let the House work its will, Kevin McCarthy, what kind of nonsense is this? Speaker Pelosi ruled with an iron fist, wouldn't allow amendments, wouldn't allow people to have debate. Kevin McCarthy allows debate. Kevin McCarthy allows uh, amendments, but he's not allowing the will of the House. This is the kind of thing that Republicans should be out front and center calling Chris Van Hollen every word they can think of, including a few that they make up on the spot. This should be nonstop. Because this is the level of disgusting lie that gets put out by the political left. The will of the House. The will of the House. Plan B, which is a reasonable proposal, if, if Speaker McCarthy would just let the House work its will. The House already passed legislation. You... I was going for three different words there, didn't know which one to choose. And if I did an amalgamation, it might have thrown me off the air. So instead I went with, mm, what a punk, a punk of a man. I want you to make sure you heard it 
Because this is not a guy who cares what happens to America. He cares how he beats his political opponent. Thus, you should not get worked up about this debt limit. We can have a discharge petition. We could get a majority in the House for a reasonable proposal to prevent default. Plan C uh, would be the 14th Amendment. Um, look, my, my view is the president should use all legal options out there. I think that is a legal option, but it's not the preferred option because there's a lot of uncertainty around that approach. It will be litigated. Yes, it will most definitely be litigated. Also, uh, Joe Biden doesn't have the authority. The 14th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. I mean, it's got four different uh, sections in it. It says a series of, of things. It talks about all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the states wherein they reside. And nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process. Nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. So when we talk about changes in America and recognizing the evils of slavery and saying we can't have this three-fifths nonsense going on. These are people. They are citizens. They have rights. It has to be said so, and it is. No state shall make or enforce any law that shall abridge the privileges or immunities of the citizens of the United States. And then it talks about representatives, which counts the whole number of persons in each state as opposed to three-fifths. Then it talks about how anybody who has taken an oath against the United States or engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States would have the ability to run uh, for Congress or, or president or vice president or be an elector for president or vice president. This, of course, is post-Civil War. That section is what they want to use against President Trump uh, re- regarding January 6th. Section four, there are actually five sections. Section four, the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection or rebellion shall not be questioned. The prevailing thought is America, like the Lannisters, pays its debts. This does not state that the president can uniformly, uh, not uniformly, unilaterally raise the debt limit. Spending is controlled by Congress. Spending is controlled. Spending originates in the House of Representatives, uh, thus uh, the power of the purse conversation. That's where it originates. If you argue that the president, the executive branch, which comes second in the Constitution, remember the legislative, the branch that most represents the people comes first. If the president can raise a debt limit, well, then there are no debt limits. Debt limits imposed by Congress can be raised by the president unilaterally. There is no debt limit. So this is the argument being made that the president, if he can utilize the 14th Amendment to just raise the debt limit, that is saying de facto there is no debt limit and spending is no longer controlled, if you will, by the House. Well, the spending bills will still originate in the House, but the spending bills have no controls on them. We never ask ourselves when enough is enough. So can the president do this? Doesn't look like he can. 
Chris Van Hollen saying the president can or President Biden saying the president can is because, well, President Biden and Chris Van Hollen are highly political people who only care about the destruction of their political opponents and don't actually care about what the Constitution says or doesn't say. I would say that to Chris Van Hollen's face because that's what he's saying. It's not my fault that I notice, is it? So the debt limit is not yet taken care of. They're meeting today, Biden and and McCarthy. Oh, I think they're going to have cucumber sandwiches. It's going to be terrific. Will it get done? Will it not get done? I don't know. You know what I know? Bourbon is delicious. And uh, you should responsibly, if you're of age, uh, have yourself a, a glass. Fix yourself a cocktail. Manhattan. I don't know. It's, it's, it's summertime. Maybe you want a Woodford Spire. And, um, and just, you know, take it easy. We'll see how this works out. No need to be alarmed. No need to freak out. No need to get upset. There is a need, however, to vote for different people. Because if these pseudo-intellectual, non-professionals can't get the job done, well, then, my gosh, we sure as hell don't need them now, do we? We don't need to elect them. We'll elect somebody else. Maybe they'll get the job done. And we'll keep electing somebody else until the job is done. Remember, we elect these people not because they're special. We elect them to do the crap we don't want to do because we're busy building the country. We don't work for them. They work for us. I'm Tony Katz. If you follow me on Twitter, at Tony Katz, where I'm back to doing work, because as long as they allow free speech, I'm totally in. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. However, if you're not following me on Twitter, me, I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. The article was from the Associated Press. Back in hoodies and gym shorts, Fetterman tackles Senate life after depression treatment. Huh? Before Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman checked himself into the hospital for clinical depression in February, he walked the halls of the Senate stone-faced and dressed in formal suits. These days, he's back to wearing the hoodies and gym shorts he was known for before he became a senator. This is an article from the Associated Press to tell us we can't notice the problems with John Fetterman because that would be mocking his depression. That's what's happening here. John Fetterman, of course, the the senator from Pennsylvania, had a stroke during the election. He was still elected. He cannot put together a cogent sentence. He is not okay. There's a real question as to what he is comprehending. He then, after the State of the Union, checked himself into a hospital for depression. He's now back at work. To the extent that he's at work, I cannot answer. He engages in conversations where he is not cogent, and he showed up to a press conference with other senators in a hoodie and gym shorts, looking as unserious as one can look. It's something else. And it's problematic. Should we be people who worry about what somebody wears? Well, you can argue you can wear what you will. But should we uh, say that we have a standard? 
the answer is yes. You know that I have a standard, for example, on an airplane. I wear a suit on an airplane. People who wear pajamas or leggings or tank tops on airplanes are just wrong. Well, it's because I want to be comfortable. You don't have to be that comfortable. What you have to do is damn well respect yourself. That's what you should want to do. And how about respecting the other people around you? Suit up. Look like a professional. If you go to theater, right? We're not talking about a concert. We're talking about to the theater. You're going to see a play. You're going to see a musical. You don't go in shorts. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your story is. You don't show up in shorts. Respect the moment. Respect yourself. It's a simple process. You're going to be a senator in shorts and a hoodie. And then you say, how dare us notice? And if we notice and keep talking about it, you'll tell us that that's actually mocking the senator's depression. No, this is the Democratic Party mocking America by allowing this guy to still be a senator. Bad enough what the people of Pennsylvania did. Bad enough what they did. The Democratic Party is going to keep him, going to keep Dianne Feinstein, going to keep Joe Biden. Three people who have a serious cognition issue. Dianne Feinstein tried to tell people that she was working while she was away. I wasn't away. I was at work. You people don't know what you're talking about. Actually said those words. Actually said the words. Couldn't believe that somebody would claim that she wasn't working. The Democrats have this issue, and they'll do nothing about it. This uh, story from the Associated Press is ridiculous. This isn't journalism. This is a protection piece to say it's okay what he does. You're not allowed to notice. Noticing is the bigotry. Noticing is the hate. Noticing is the violence. No, noticing is what people do. It's why I disagree with people who say things like, well, I don't see color. I do. I also see hair color. I also see thin and fat and tall and short and hot and not. I see it all, Boo Bear. Now, do I treat you differently because of those things? Well, that's interesting. Because certainly one could argue if I found somebody attractive, I could treat them differently than somebody I found unattractive. Not necessarily rude to the unattractive person, but maybe not as attentive. See, that has something to do with uh, bias, where people tell you it's wrong to have biases. And I say, bull crap. Biases are real and important. Of course they are. You shouldn't treat people rudely. Someone's not your cup of tea, they're not your cup of tea. You don't have to be nasty about it. But you're allowed to be attracted to what you're attracted to. You're allowed to be interested in what you're interested in. You don't have to be interested in what somebody else says you have to be interested in. You don't have to be attracted to what other people say you have to be attracted to. That's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. Biases are important and good. The Associated Press saying that if you notice Fetterman is wearing a hoodie and gym shorts and can't complete a sentence, you're an ableist or you're a hater. The Associated Press, I see you too, and you are terrible. That's not bias. That's fact. 
You can say about Senator Fetterman what you will. Senator Fetterman's not okay, and I wish somebody in his family cared about him as much as we do. This is Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. in the land of opportunity. We live in the land where it is absolutely possible for a kid raised in poverty, in a single parent household, in a small apartment, to one day serve in the people's house, and maybe even the White House. This, this is the greatest nation on God's green earth. Today, I'm thinking back to my grandfather, born in 1921 in Sally, South Carolina, in the Deep South. By the time he was in the third grade, he was forced out of school. His education was over, and he was forced to start picking cotton. But my grandfather lived long enough to watch his grandson pick out a seat in Congress. Tim Scott's got a very good story. And Tim Scott is running for president of the United States. And people are noticing, like Elon Musk, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. It was Tim Scott who had announced that he was putting together an exploratory committee. And then we got word, uh, on I think it was on Friday, that he was filing the paperwork. And he was making an ad buy. And this was one of his ads. Today's kids are growing up immersed in a culture where everyone's a victim we have to start teaching the necessity of individual responsibility if you are able-bodied you work if you take out a loan you pay it back if you commit a violent crime you go to jail can i get an amen i'm telling you the truth i'm tim scott and i approve this message And so Elon Musk had put out, you know, great statement by Tim Scott. It's like, oh, okay, I guess, uh, I guess he's got a fan. And then uh, you had President Trump welcoming Tim Scott uh, to the race. I mean, it's 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 super fascinating. Welcome, Tim Scott, uh, to to the race. Uh, a, a big step up from Ron DeSanctimonious. You're like, oh, holy hell. What is, the, what is happening? And you know Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, is going to get involved in the race this week. Did you see what the NAACP said? The NAACP just proving that they're an unserious organization put out a statement regarding Florida issuing a travel advisory because Florida under Ron DeSantis has become, quote, hostile to black Americans. What a garbage organization. 
NAACP, National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. Garbage. Garbage. This is so remarkably unserious and so incredibly ugly and only proving that the NAACP is not about people who are black. It's about people who are progressive. And you know how progressives are. If you're progressive, if if they believe if you're conservative and black, you're not really black. If you're black and conservative, you're you're not really uh, black. If you're gay and conservative, you're not really gay. If you're Jewish and conservative, you're not really Jewish. If you're a woman and conservative, you're not really a woman. This is the way progressives think. They state it again and again and again. The advisory states on a seeming quest to silence African-American voices. The governor and the state of Florida have shown that African-Americans are not welcome in the state of Florida. Due to the sustained, blatant, relentless, and systemic attack on democracy and civil rights, the NAACP hereby issues a travel advisory to African-Americans and other people of color regarding the hostility toward African-Americans in Florida. Because he won't uh, utilize public funds on DEI efforts? DEI has nothing to do with being black. It has to do with being progressive and tearing at and destroying the fabric of America. DEI is the bigotry. Why the hell are you in favor of it? Seriously, what's wrong with the people who are in favor of DEI? Why such bigotry? And you say to me, oh, Tony, you're attacking black people. It's white liberals who love this DEI crap. White liberals scream and yell over this. How do we go about hiring another person? Ooh, I want to have another lecture. Hey, can I be a part of the next struggle session? I'll call you, Mao, and I'll wear the dunce cap. Sound good? And by the way, if you think I'm kidding on that, search struggle session Mao dunce cap, and you will see what happened to people in the public square. You watch how easy it is to get people not to question you if you will publicly humiliate other people, which is exactly the kind of thing that goes about with cancel culture out there. Trying to get people to beg for forgiveness and change who they are and what they think. They have an opinion. You don't agree. You don't agree. Louis Farrakhan is a Jew-hating bigot. Never said the man couldn't speak. I don't think you should be celebrating his birthday or anything, but the guy's allowed to speak. The fact that he thinks I'm a termite, well, that means that's who he is, a scumbag. But he's allowed to speak. Now, am I supposed to worry that somebody who's black is going to be offended because I said this about Louis Farrakhan? He thinks Jews are termites. If you think my response is because he's black, you're a schmuck. It's a very simple calculus here. The NAACP is is a ridiculous political organization. And that's all this statement is. These organizations used to matter. Then they gave that up. It's like the ACLU. Oh, my goodness. I will share with you. The ACLU in my state, in Indiana... There is not a more lost organization in the entirety, maybe of America, certainly in Indiana, than the ACLU of Indiana. Holy crap. It's, it's nuts. It's so, it is so outrageous. It is so humiliating for them. For them. So incredibly embarrassing. It's f- embarrassing. It really is.
It so very much is. But let's get back to uh, Senator Tim Scott. Because Tim Scott is running. Oh, sorry about that. Tim Scott is running for president. And he made the announcement. And when Tim Scott makes an announcement, Tim Scott does it very, very well. That's that's the evolution of the country we live in. My family went from cotton to Congress in his lifetime. And it was only... It was only possible because my grandfather had a stubborn faith. Faith in God, faith in himself, and faith in what America would be. He looked beyond the pain of his present, and he saw the promise of his future. That black man who struggled through the Jim Crow South believed then what some doubt now in the goodness of America. I was seven years old when my parents divorced. We moved in with my grandparents, my mom and my brother. We all three shared one bed and one bedroom in that 700-square-foot rental home. But my grandfather said to me, Son, you can be bitter or you can be better but you can't be both. You see, he chose patriotism over pity. He focused on the windshield of his life and not on the rearview mirror. And today, I'm living proof that America is the land of opportunity and not a land of oppression. But you see, this, this isn't just my story. It's all of our stories. The circumstances and the situations may be different. The details may change. But every single one of us are here because of the American journey, where there were obstacles that became opportunities. And our pain revealed our purpose. If you believe that, can somebody say amen? Now, the whole amen thing, I'm curious how America's going to take it. I really am. I'm not bothered by it. I'm curious how America's going to take it. Um, Tim Scott should, getting in this race this way, should make Nikki Haley's team realize that they have no path and they should just close up shop. I know, I know Nikki Haley's running for vice president. I, I, I get it. Nikki Haley has no path, and she should close up shop. Now, that could lead someone to say if she has no path, it doesn't matter if she stays in the race. As long as there's some money to spend, she should keep doing it. She'll talk. She'll hope somebody makes a mistake. She'll at least get a cabinet position. It's good for her. I can appreciate that. I think that if you're taking a look at things as a, in a political consultant kind of way, that makes sense. But the idea that there is a constituency that would go for Nikki Haley and not Tim Scott, show me where that is. 
show me where that is. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. I'm saying you've got to show me. Now, the idea that there's a constituency out there for someone like Chris Christie. (laughs) Yeah, that's done. And if Chris Christie is serious about getting in this race. Missed it by that much. Your time was 2012. We told you. We begged you. We warned you. Your time was 2012. Because you would have handled Candy Crowley far better than Mitt Romney. And you could have been president for eight years. But nope. You decided not to do it. Then you decided to give Barack Obama a hug after Superstorm Sandy. I'm not saying you didn't have to meet him at the airport and shake the man's hand. You could have done both those things. A hug was remarkably stupid as a political gesture. Remarkably. And then you came to the 2016 thinking you were Chris Christie, but you got out Christied by Donald Trump. Then he sent you off the stage like a punk and you never came back. You did this to yourself, sir. You did this to yourself. Let's not be shocked nor surprised by this. There's no room for you at the inn. That, that's not a fat joke. I'm saying you're not going to get any votes. Tim Scott can get some votes. Now, people like uh, Kurt Schlichter, uh, town hall columnist, author, uh, longtime friend, uh, uh, lawyer, um, retired United States Army. He thinks that Tim Scott and Mike Pence are just too nice. And he has a piece about this in town hall where he's wrong. The argument of too nice, and, I, and, I, and I'm not going to get into a conversation about Pence right now. I'm going to keep it on, on Senator Tim Scott. The conversation about too nice exists only if one will hit back against those abusing you. We know that Trump will hit back. We have seen that DeSantis will hit back, but you notice how he hits back much differently. President Trump decided to go full out against Alyssa Farrah Griffin. Uh, I I can appreciate the fact that he's not happy with Alyssa Farrah Griffin, who used to work for Vice President Pence, then worked for President Trump, and is now on The View, and she's, she's really gross on The View. She's weak. She's cheap. She's cheap on The View. In terms of her, her takes and her inability to push back and, and the whole thing, it's, it's, it's pretty shameful. Trump writes backbencher in the Trump administration, Alyssa Farah, like so many other sleazebags, had only glowing reviews of the Trump administration until long after she left. A loser then and a loser now. More to follow. Um, okay, if that's the way you want to fight, not going to tell you no, go ahead. You have to deal with the consequences. Not necessarily the fight that everybody likes. Really not. When DeSantis fights, he fights on the facts based on what he's done in the state of Florida. So how will Tim Scott fight? You cannot rule him too nice until you see the level of fight that he has. 
if he decides to demure on this or that, that's not saying that he's too nice. If he demures on everything, then that's too nice. And I would agree that that's a problem because the people who do not engage a pushback, who do not at least punch it directly once, those people get stepped on. And those people allow narratives to be created all around them. And once the narrative's created, it's impossible to to take it apart. It must be dismantled from the beginning. And what DeSantis does not, I mean, I'm sorry, what Tim Scott does not have that DeSantis does have is a rapid response team. Tim Scott has not yet shown his Christina Pushaw. Is it Pushaw or Pushaw? P-U-S-H-A-W. That was his uh, spokesperson who then went to the campaign. She's terrific. She can move quick. She came to punch. Tim Scott's going to need that. But he doesn't have to do things the way DeSantis does them. He doesn't have to do things the way Trump does them. He has a lane. And I'm just discussing where the country is, not where my own personal feelings are. He has a lane. Say otherwise is silly. Chris Christie and Nikki Haley, they don't. Tim Scott just pushed them right off the street. I'm Tony Katz. All I did was buy one Ford Bronco. That's all I did. At the Meekum auction, I bought a 1996 Ford Bronco. We're going to do a little bit to it. Going to have some fun with it. And it seems that every day I get another email, hey, would you like to buy my car? Except somebody sent me uh, a a photo of their grandparent's 76 Eldorado convertible. And I'm like, well, wait a second. So basically, I've gone from radio host to uh, having a car lot. I don't know how it happened. But so far, so good. This is Tony Katz today.